You are currently listening to the sermon podcast for First Ozark United Methodist Church in Ozark, Alabama. The following sermon was given on July 23rd, 2023 by Alex Arnold and is entitled The Conception and Formation of a Christian. The scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We hope you enjoy the sermon and thank you for joining us. Good morning. If you do not know me, my name is Alex Arnold, and it is my great honor and privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Our scripture for today is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Now, I want to give us some context here. So, get ready. Let's read through the entire book of Genesis for context. Let's go. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But in ancient Egyptian mythology, the creator God formed the world by emerging out of the waters. And from there, he manipulates the waters and merges them to make the world. And this is the context and the teaching that the traditional writer of Genesis, Moses, would have grown up in and would have been taught. And I believe that this is what he is responding to. For he says, the Spirit of God was over the waters. He did not come from it. He was not a part of it, nor is he still a part of it. He was the ultimate source for it. God is life incarnate. There is no life outside of him. There is no good outside of him. There is no God outside of him. Every breath, every heartbeat we have comes from Lord God Almighty. Now, he goes on to write, God created the world in seven days. And we can get into talking about literal and metaphorical and things like that. Seven days is about how long it takes me to put together an Ikea desk. So it's impressive nonetheless. But what he's doing here is very, very important. Because he's, he's showing us the father heart of God as creator. His role as creator. Who he is. What he desires to do. Not only what he has done, but what he is still doing. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Other translations may say something different, but they all basically mean the same thing. Without God, there is no life. Emptiness is deep. You see, in the ancient world, the sea represented chaos, and that would come from from sailors going out into storms and, and boats getting lost in sea and hurricanes, and nobody knew what would come from the sea. It represented chaos. And darkness was over with darkness. The emptiness was the sea, the waters. 
And this is what God does. He takes these waters and he makes the world from it. He makes order. He makes life. He makes beauty. He makes something that is sustainable, something that is life-giving. God has a plan to still the waters. And we see emptiness is deep in our world today, do we not? God had a perfect plan for his creation. And yet, because of the sin of humanity, the world has fallen into darkness. That's why we see so much evil and wickedness around us. Not because God created it, but because humans in our separation from him, choosing to be against him, choosing to offend him, the one who made us, the one who still to this day provides us for every breath, choosing to offend him, going against the king of the universe, making that active choice. We see that, and that spreads to the entire earth. And yet God has a plan to renew the earth, just like he did here when he first created it, for it is his heart as father, as creator. He said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and what did he do? He separated the light from the darkness. Now that is conversion. That is what is described of us. I think of 1 Peter especially. God took you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. To be a holy people, a chosen nation, a royal priesthood. Brought out of darkness and into light. You see, brothers and sisters, you were the sea, the chaotic sea that needed to be stilled. Not only did you walk in darkness, but you were darkness. This is the natural state of the new man to be apart from God after the fall, to be apart from God, to not do his will, to be in darkness outside of the light. The Bible just fell down. This is what humans are inclined to. This is who we are, unregenerate, dead, unable to respond to divine love. We, we seek out God, perhaps for our own selfish desires. John Wesley described it like this. He said, there are three kinds of people, those who are asleep. And he would say, awake thou that sleepest. And there are those who are under the law. And there are those who are under grace. Well, what did he mean by that? He would say, those who are asleep, unaware of their need, happy in their depravity. And that is many of us, perhaps even some of you in this congregation. How many of you give in to your shameful lusts that God hates and perhaps that you know are wrong in your mind, but satisfy some selfish desire, some pride to think you are better than another, some, some judgment cast on another for their sins, when in reality, you yourself, without God, would be just as much they were, if not worse. Gluttony, to overindulge, to try to take God's, what God has given us, fulfill the need that God has put in us, and fulfill it in our own way, instead of God's way. Sexual immorality, the same thing. To distort God's beautiful plan and image of marriage, and, and make it something that it is not 
And this was once me, a man who was in darkness, who wanted what I want, not what God wanted. Wanted what, God, what I wanted, not what God wanted. Who wanted to fulfill my own sinful desires and cravings of the flesh. Thank God that he brings us into light for his own good pleasure out of divine love. Now what is the second type of person? Those who are under the law. Those who are aware of their sin. Those who know that without God there is no salvation without the blood of Christ. And yet those who even though they know of the blood of Christ have not accepted it. Still even claiming they, they accept it. Try to earn their salvation through work even through earnest repentance, yet no trust in God. Is that any of you this morning? How many of you break the new covenant Sabbath rest that we are brought into by not trusting in God's promises of salvation? How many of you spend even a single hour a week, scratch that, even a single hour a month in private prayer? How many of you come to church not out of a love for Christ to worship God in fellowship and community, but because your parents made you one day or because it's the noble thing to do. It's the right thing to do and you feel good about yourself for doing it. If this is you, you are still outside of Christ and must be brought in under his blood. For the wretched man, loves God out of fear of punishment, but the righteous man loves God out of love. For seeing his beauty, for seeing his character, there is something new in you. And what does he say he does? He separates the light from the darkness. He takes what was once dark and makes it light, given new desires, new hopes, new dreams, not for yourself, but for Christ, our great lover of our soul. So what is conversion? It is not some legalistic interrogation of does the Christian ever sin? But is there repentance? Is there a following after God? Have you been made new? Is that a reality for you? Can you honestly say I was once one way and now I am another and it is because of him, because of his work in me? I was given new desires, not to follow after what I want, not to follow my own sin, but to follow after Christ. See, holiness is not just avoiding all of the things that you love to do and doing all of the things that you hate. Holiness is being given a new heart. See, conversion is not just becoming a better person. It's not getting church membership. It's not turning over a new leaf. None of that. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God to take a person's heart unresponsive to him and bring it into life, to make life, to do something, to change a person, a man or a woman or a child, to change them, to bring them into the kingdom. See, the goodness of God is is a lovely thing, it's a wonderful thing, but it's also a powerful thing and it's an immense thing. And we know that God is a righteous judge of the earth. And the scripture says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Now imagine the goodness of God is 
almost as a bubble coming towards the earth. And everything that is not of the kingdom of heaven will be unable to enter in and will be cast out, pushed aside as the bubble comes to consume the earth. But if you have been made new, if you have been changed out of your natural state and been born again into the spiritual state, you are able to enter in to that kingdom of God. So how does one enter in? How is this possible that God, who is the righteous judge, and yet also compassionate and merciful towards all of his creation, it is because he is God. He is God. So how do these two things act logically at once? Well, to start, God is holy, and his judgment is good. It is good, and we know that God will judge the earth and will make all things right. Every wrong committed, he will make all things right. And this is what we want, is it not? When we see stories on the news, when somebody wrongs us personally, we want the judgment of God. But the problem is if God gives us justice, we all die. And so God, in his mercy and in his goodness, he comes, he sends his son as human to stand in our place as representation for us, to, to be human, to be the perfect human, the one we could not be, completely innocent, completely perfect. And the wrath of God, the judgment of God that we deserve is poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross, both physically through the cross, both spiritually on his soul and mentally through his toil. And his innocence, his perfection, for all who believe in him is transferred onto us. And so therefore, because he has done this, and not only that, he has risen from the dead and confirmed that this is true and defeated death so that not only may we be forgiven of our sins, but also live an eternal life, an eternal relationship, intimate relationship with him. That is what God has done for all of us. And because it is what God has done, there is nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing we can do to enter into that except for the gift of grace that God gives us to place our faith in Him. All that you must do is simply look to Him. Trust in Him. Lean on Him. Not say at that final day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Did we not tithe? Did we not serve? But to say, Lord, I have trusted you. I have trusted you. And with that, we have all that we need. Now, let's move on. We know that God is going to cleanse his earth. We know that he's going to make all things right. And we know that he does that through regeneration, through, through literally rebirthing people. Now, he goes on to talk about mankind is made in the image of God. And yet, as we just saw, that image has been lost through sin, through the fall. We no longer stand as that representation of God. But... If he has made you new, he's bringing you into that. See, God's creating work in you is not just something, as Melanie prayed, it's not just making you to exist and then leaving you alone. 
If you are genuinely converted, genuinely born again, there will be a new heart to love God. And as it says, God saw that the light was good. It's not that he saw that the light was necessary. It's not that he saw the light and he, he knew he needed to make it and separate it from the darkness because that's his character. He says he saw that the light was good. And if you are brought into Christ, he sees you as good. Not based on your own morality or virtue because you have none of yourself, brothers or sisters. But because he is good and he stands at your behalf. He stood in your place. And it is a real deep love for you. As he told Moses, I love you because I love you. Not I love you because you attend church. Not I love you because you're a good person. I love you because I love you. It's simply who he is. It's simply his character. And now, there is a fight on this earth to, to, be, met, to be remade every day. The scripture says in Romans, not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that is a daily thing. It's a daily battle. And just like the manna in the desert, if it is not renewed every day, it will become moldy and sour to you. We must renew our minds with God. How do we do that? Number one, through this book. Through reading this book, not just for the purpose of study, and that is good too, but for the purpose of meeting with God, of knowing God, expectation that if we come humbly before Him, that He will meet us, that He will encounter us. And submitting to it, living our life, basing our entire life around it so that we may find the joy of Christ. And secondly, prayer, responding to what God says to us so that we may know Him. And there's other disciplines too, such as fasting and, and fellowship and communion and everything else, but I believe if you have those first two, everything else is going to fall in place. Everything else is going to fall in place. So let's daily examine ourselves. Daily be renewed by the Holy Spirit of God. Choir, you sing beautifully, but when was the last time you considered, do these words touch my heart? We ought to all be considering that every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. And know that when we have gotten off of that path, that Christ is willing to redeem us. But be, be warned, the scripture does not say when any of you sin, confess to one another. It says, if any of you sin. The expectation, the evidence that you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit is that you live a holy life before God. Now that holy life is once again defined by complete submission and trust in God. Trust in Christ. See, freedom from sin is not something that comes from, from fighting against sin. It's something that comes from submitting to God in love and relationship. Now, we're running out of time, but I want to look at one more thing that's very, very important. He goes on to say, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And then let the waters teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures and everything that is on the earth. See, the Father heart of God is not just He makes us new, and then we're done. It is life-giving. The life that he gives continues to birth life, to give life. Is that our holy passion? 
to see men and women outside of God converted, to be made new, to make disciples of all the nations. Some of you older, retired people, you, it's not worthwhile to just give up, to say, I'm just going to give myself to recreation. Oh, there is work for you to do. Godly work to mentor those who are younger, to serve, to pray, to give. There is always more if you are still breathing. There is always more. And those of you who are younger, fight. You only have so many years left of zeal left in you. Fight for the promises of God. Believe in them and fight for them. Now, many of you, that seems like such an impossibility because of everything that's going on. Confusion, distraction, grief, pain, death, depression, anxiety, abuse, everything that goes on. But he says, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the greater light to govern the night. He also made the stars. See, God does not leave us in darkness. He does not leave us in confusion. He offers hope to all who are perishing. God is the hope to the hopeless, the father to the fatherless, the comforter for those who are grieving, our friend in times of trouble, and ever-present help in times of trouble. Now, final thing says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Are we at rest with God? As I just talked about, we ought to be fighting. We ought to be, we ought to be going forth, pursuing the promises of God for good to be done on the earth. But at the end of the day, it is what I said at the start. It is simple faith and trust in God to lean on him completely, completely with no other anchor I need no other argument I need no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me is that a reality in your life is it just that Jesus died or is it that he died for me that he died for me that I have been made new my desires are no longer the same I've been given a new heart and a new spirit has been put within me is there a call of God to serve, to do his work that you are avoiding? Are you open to the call of God to give new life? Are you open to the call of God to bring you out of darkness and into light? Are you, are you open to God to see his light in times of trouble? To just go to him, to ask him for help and expect it. And expect it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Jason will lead us in song. Thank you all.